Great. Hey, Ruth, thanks for being here for the interview today. Hi, Mel. Thanks for asking me. <laughs> I'm really excited to see and hear what you've been doing for the past few years since you finished study. And uh, the goal is to talk about inspirational stories of how people have developed businesses after becoming a, a qualified coach. And what does that journey look like? Is it a straight line or is it twists and turns? So <laughs> I'm hoping you have a few twists and turns to share. Um, absolutely. You know, when I, um, after I did the wellbeing coaching course, I was very set on career wellbeing because I'd come out of the recruitment industry and careers is sort of my, my thing. Um, and, but when I went out to the market and I started talking about career wellbeing, nobody knew what the heck I was talking about. Like it was a term that wasn't hitting the market. So um, it took me a while then to sort of work out uh, what the language was in the marketplace and where what I did sort of matched what was happening in the market. And, um, yeah, so there were lots of twists and turns. And I think I, I very much started with a clear vision, mm. but, and I've stayed true to the core values of that vision, mm. but certainly the, the way it looks and what I'm doing has changed. And perhaps mm. even, yeah, definitely the problems I'm solving um, has changed from what I first thought. But I still look back at some of that original material that I've produced around the vision, the mission, etc. Yeah. And that still comes into play very much with what I'm doing. But I guess it's expanded. And so could you, like in this session, I'd love it if you could start by talking about what you're doing right now as an overview, and then we do the backstory. Is that okay? Sure thing, sure thing. Um, and yeah, I mean, it has changed quite considerably. I mean, I'm still very much a career coach, mm -hmm. but what I noticed was a couple of things as I started to see clients and just observe the patterns. Um, the first thing was I was helping people get career clarity around what their dream job was, but then there were there was all this self-doubt in people actually taking a step down that path. Oh. So I actually had to find a tool that helped me work with my clients to um, eliminate limiting beliefs and reprogram them. So that was one other modality that I brought into my practice and I actually now use theta healing to okay. um to reprogram beliefs because it's got a very good digging process to get to the core belief mm -hmm. but what I also started to attract was you know when people aren't in the right career mm -hmm. and they're not paying attention to the signs and they're not taking action to move then typically you know, the subconscious takes over and starts to try and get our attention through the body. So mm -hmm. that's when illness, aches and pains, various things start to show up in the body. Mm -hmm. And so I had people coming to me and as I was talking to them, you know, they were having irritable bowel syndrome. I had one lady whose um, right arm just stopped working. She couldn't lift it because she, she couldn't wow. write anymore. Um, I've, you know, I've had all of these people present various physical conditions. Mm -hmm. And when we get down to it, you know, it's the body's way of trying to get their attention to say, hey, something needs to change. You're not paying attention. 
and we need to work on once again what's what's holding them back from making that change so a lot of belief work is is something that I focus on but it's also very much that psychosomatic um, analysis of Mm. okay so what's actually going on in your life Mm. and what's that trying to tell you about are you on your path do you need to change something about your career? Do you actually need to speak up at work? All of those sorts of things. Mm, this is so interesting, Ruth. And if you wind back to the days that you were in recruitment and you, before you thought about studying coaching, did you see any of those things? Did you know that they existed or was it this vague notion? Like, I'm really curious about that. Yeah, I, I'd never heard of psychosomatics before. So I wasn't aware really of that mind-body connection to the degree that I am now. But um, certainly I would see people either, you know, they and, and I can remember one lady in particular, um, you know, she turned 50 and she had to do this test to assess what her body age was. And she was shocked at how much older her body was compared to her chronological age and I'd watched her career journey over many years and she'd always taken on these very high stress jobs Mm -hmm. and so and you know other people you know their relationships were breaking down um so there were lots of things happening as a result of people not being happy in their job whether it was reflected in their body their health you know and I started to see I mean it was really a shame because I started to see some senior people you know managing partners who were having heart attacks and going off on stress leave and all of that and I just I just you know I guess based on what I went into business or why I went into business was to Mm. really you know help people be happy in their career so that it didn't have a negative impact on their health because I guess given my childhood you know my dad um, had changed careers wasn't happy used to come home an unhappy person that impacted the rest of the family Mm. and you know now knowing what I know now I can see how that probably contributed to my mother's health I mean she died at 63 of breast cancer and there hadn't been any history of of cancer in her family Mm. Um, and I just feel that you know living in that stressful environment over an extended period of time certainly would have played a role so yeah it all just sort of pointed me in the direction of well people need to be happy in in what they're doing because if they're not it just has all that flow on effect but yeah when I was in recruitment I'd see the signs but I didn't I hadn't pieced it all together right and and so then what caused you to make the leap out of recruitment and to go and study health and wellness coaching I know you studied with wellness coaching Australia something obviously tripped you into that pathway what what was that defining moment for you well I know now that health is one of my top values and it's Mm. always been present in my life at that time I was actually training to compete in bodybuilding and you know so health and exercise and fitness were on the top of my list but I hadn't been getting the results that I wanted, even though I was training six days a week, working with various coaches, et cetera. Um, And I think going through that process where you're very focused on the body, um, you know, I wanted to take it a bit bigger and look at health overall. Mm -hmm. And I think that sort of started me down that path of really being interested in, in health and 
um, you know, having that longevity and that, that mindset around feeling good about your health. And I've had health battles and struggles and I still do, you know, it's, yeah. but I look at it a bit differently these days. It's not a case of calories in, calories out. It mm. is so much, um, you know, why is the body holding on to this weight? What's it, what's it there to protect you from? Why, you know, what lesson do you need to learn so that that lesson can disappear? That's very much the thinking I'm approaching it with these days. So I kind of, see that whole health um, focus has evolved over time. So mm -hmm. it's more than just looking good or losing weight or following this nutritional plan to lose weight. I've, I've stuck with that and have not lost weight. So I know there's more to it yeah. than simply what you're eating. And, you know, that's what I continue to research and explore um, are all of these reasons why you know once again it comes back to what's the body trying to tell me mm -hmm. and it's interesting I can see the threads weaving together of your growing up experience and your career experience and your bodybuilding experience all of those pieces coming together to to bring you to where you are today and and so what happened after you finished your study what was your first step to get started in your business you know, it took me a while, Mel, because once again, I had those limiting beliefs holding me back. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't have the confidence to mm -hmm. plunge straight into business. Yeah. Um, and it took me a while. I actually took myself off to do a, a three-day personal development course to really find out what was getting in my way mm. and um you know let go of some of those beliefs get clear on my values and my purpose mm. and the main thing was um i think it was towards the last day we did a, a, a exercise where we future paced our life oh. and you know if we held on to all of these limiting beliefs and still kept living the life the way that we're living it how would we feel in one year, two years, five years, 10 years? Mm. And I was 50 at that stage. And I thought, oh my God, 10 years <laughs> just goes by like that. If, yeah. I don't, if I don't take action now, I don't think I ever will. And then how am I going to feel when I'm 60 mm. and I haven't given it a go? So it was the fear of not doing it um, mm. that, that really got me into action. Because after I did the course, I sort of, potted around, sort of told people what I was interested in, started mm. to, you know, develop some, some how programs would look and all of that sort of thing. But I was really just playing. I wasn't really committed. Um, and so it was when I got that clarity, mm. you know, I then went on and did some, um, was called NLC, Neurolimbic Conditioning, so the Emotional Balancing. Right. I did my coaching accreditations and then, Within six months, I'd quit my job and started my business. So, wow, yeah, it sounds like you were going from just playing around, as you said, into doing a bit of personal development and finding your purpose and your confidence, and then with enough commitment to quit your job. Yeah, six yeah. months later, absolutely. And I think you know what I also realized, and I've seen other people get into that analysis paralysis and just procrastinate mm. yeah. because we feel like we've got to have it all together all sorted all fixed worked yeah. out before we take action mm -hmm. and then what I found was it was as I started to see clients 
then I could see what they were looking for and yeah. I could shape my programs according to their needs. Exactly. You've got to, you know, take that step and just take action and you get the clarity and the inspiration once you start taking action. If you wait for the inspiration and the clarity first before you take action, you'll never take action. You'll be waiting a long time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's so many people that say, I have to have the perfect program I'm and I'm saying, well, you actually co-create it with your clients. You need the documents, you need a basic structure, you need a skeleton, maybe yeah. some ideas of what sorts of resources they'd want but it's actually through working with people that you learn who they are and what they need and then you can give it to them really truly absolutely and and that keeps evolving like I think you know one of the things I kept thinking before I launched was oh my god I need a toolkit everyone's talking about this toolkit Uh, what tools have you got and I thought I haven't got any and well apart from the program that I'd done and then just over the years you know as you get clients presenting with certain problems Mm. then start to research and create tools that help with that problem so unless you're seeing clients you're not going to get that sort of um, clarity Um, so your clients really as you said help you shape your business we're in the business of uh, helping people get what they want and letting them lead the way and it kind of is the same in business yeah very much so and so what happened next? You, you said to me before we jumped on this call that you'd been doing a big project for a couple of years. How did your business evolve over the next few years? So the first year was very challenging because I'd shifted from being known in the recruitment industry to all of a sudden setting myself up as a coach. And as I said, I wasn't marketing myself as a career coach. It was a career wellbeing coach. And so I think my messaging was very blurred. Um, I did attract clients. I ran some workshops. I actually created and put on a two-day masterclass. So I was taking a lot of action. Um, But it takes time when you're sort of pivoting to build that reputation. And then um, this opportunity came along to be a coach on this other program to help people who were 50 plus regain employment. And I was still, you know, in my business um, working with my private clients, picking up some corporate gigs as well, running training programs and all of that, doing some bit of recruitment and some career and outplacement coaching. But the main revenue was probably coming from this other program. Mm. And what that did, it really enabled me to um, develop this intense knowledge within two years and see the patterns that were occurring in these job seekers, mm. and which was fabulous. Um, but by the end of the two years, I was looking forward to it coming to an end so I could really focus back in on my business. Yeah. And that finished March last year. Mm. And they, the lady was going to start running it again. She was just waiting to hear if the um, government was going to extend the funding. But I had pulled out of it at that stage. I said, no, no, no. I've, you know, put my business sort of on the sideline and I really, I'm here to, you know, I'm here for a purpose Mm. and my purpose is not to, you know, work in other people's businesses, Mm. it's to move forward and create what I'm here to create. Mm. And um, so I really took a step out for probably six months. I just wanted to get rid of 
all of the busyness Mm. and hone in on my one thing because in those first years of business you're sort of going down all these different paths trying all these different things Mm. and I thought no no no, I I need to just come back give myself some space and get get centered with my purpose and focus on that so within that time, I, and it was interesting because I got clear on the sort of clients I wanted to work with and I started attracting them. Mm. And I know. So as soon as you got that clarity and you made that, that profile, then yep. they started coming. Yep, yep. And it's so interesting because I, I say the same thing when it comes to job searching, you know, it mm. starts with clarity. When yeah. you're clear, you know, then you start to see it, but you attract it as well. Mm. And so I started to attract a few of those clients that then had some different problems for me to solve. Mm. But also, um, I, you know, developed all these courses and I wanted to build up the e-commerce side on my website. Mm. And I finally found a lady that helped me set that all up. So now, you know, during that six months I've set up, I think I've got about 12 different courses on there. It's got my services on there um, because I just wanted that automation process side of the business because when you're in a coaching business you can only do so much coaching one-on-one yeah and I thought I need something that's a bit more self-sufficient and sustainable right and also I just felt that you know those that sort of work was sort of phase one of my business Mm. and I kind of feel like okay I want to move on now to something else so let me be able to channel those clients to those online courses Mm. so that they can go through those steps and I don't have to be repeating myself all the time you know I don't have to be teaching the same lesson all the time so um so I did that and then you know, I finally came up with a new title for my book mm-hmm. in, I think it was December or January. And I've been sort of dabbling with this book for the four years I've been in business mm. and, um, but not really feeling totally aligned with it. And then I came up with this title and I was really motivated. So I set myself a deadline, which was April the 12th to have it published. Mm-hmm. And um, I just spent those three months really finishing off the chapters, editing it, getting it all done. And it launched on the 12th. Career <laughs> awakening. Congratulations, Ruth. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what inspired you to write a book? Um, I'd always sort of liked writing, storytelling, Mm. and also I kind of felt like, you know, I'd been on a crazy journey in my life and Mm. there must be a reason for it. There must be a purpose for it. Mm. And plus I wanted to get the message out there to Mm. get people looking at their careers and, you know, in a different way. And um, I thought, well, a book is a great way to do that. Absolutely. And just to talk about your communication skills for a little bit, um, I've been talking to coaches in the Passion to Profit course about their communication strengths and how to use that in marketing. It's sounding like you've used a combination. I'm thinking I'm hearing networking, obviously, and drawing on your previous professional network to start your business. Also, probably speaking and writing. Can you tell us a little bit about which of those is your strongest communication strength I suppose and and kind of the the progression to to expand in in those areas I'm well having worked in recruitment a big part of that sort of role is business development 
but you know I've I've never considered myself a salesperson I mean business development for me very much I enjoy the one-to-one conversations and really getting into somebody else's world and finding out what's going well for them um, you know where are the challenges and providing support so you know that has always been something that I enjoy and I must admit when I'm out and about meeting with people which we haven't been able to do for a few years now you know that's when I get a real buzz and also it sparks ideas because you're in conversation with people and you're picking up relevant information yes so I think you know that really that one-to-one conversation whether it's you know catching up with someone for a coffee um going to a networking event but just being in conversation Mm. really triggers ideas and creativity for me and I really miss that so so you started out with networking is that right kind of reaching out to people either individuals or events and just speaking to people that was how you started I mean my I I guess my first um goal was to pick up corporate work so I just sort of applied the same methodology I had with recruitment Mm. um and you know meeting with HR managers and talking to them about what challenges they were having with their workforce and, you know, what they needed and what they were looking for. Um, And then I started attracting, you know, individuals as clients. So then I realised I've got to get the social marketing presence up there as well. Um, And because, you know, I focus on careers, then LinkedIn was a great platform for that. Yeah, absolutely. But that's been a slow burn, you know. I've really, this year I've amped up the marketing um, and I've got a marketing intern from Flinders Uni helping me with a bit of that. Mm. And I also now use the social media scheduling. um, Mm -hmm. I use Social Bee to sort of schedule a lot of my social media marketing. Um, And I love writing, so I'm always writing blogs. Mm. But that is a slow burn. And eventually then, you know, you just happen to be in front of somebody when that moment comes when they're looking for someone and they go well I've seen a lot of her stuff and you know it sounds interesting and people start to reach out Mm -hmm. but that has taken a while to to build that presence um up there so and I've done speaking gigs and I love doing them Mm -hmm. I don't always find you get a huge return on investment from from them Mm -hmm. I did speak at an aged care um sort of conference Uh, it was a small conference so here in Adelaide right at the start and I picked up a couple of good clients corporate clients that led to to work over the next 12 months so I think it is you know a bit of a hybrid approach you can't just rely on sitting at your desk and putting social media posts up there it's definitely the slow burn as you say and and getting in front of people and having those direct conversations where you get the the body language and the tone of voice and you get to ask questions and build that rapport very quickly is obviously I mean, you started that way with networking and direct outreach to people and then added the socials later to expand. And I don't know about you, Mel. I I, I started off, sorry, my chair's sinking as we... (laughs) 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 But I used to do a few free webinars as well. And, oh, my God, that is so much work to market to, you know, all the build-up before the actual event, the follow-up. 
and rarely got much of a result from from those so I think I don't know whether that was just me I mean I thought I had really interesting topics and you know you get about 30 people sign up and say they're going to attend and then you're lucky if you get 10 appear on the night yeah so you know in terms of return on investment I don't know I think you you really need a good events person helping you Mm. drive that marketing you needed a campaign around that those things and and you're right you know it's I think a lot of people go oh webinar that sounds easy I'll just put something together and people will come (laughs) like I'll build it and they'll come but it's not the the case but I mean if you had a really big social media following and you were well connected then it would make sense to start there but I think what you've done is really smart because you've gone with what your communication strengths are and you've leveraged your networks and and your love of just talking to people one-to-one yeah to get you going and then realized, okay, my clients are all going to be on LinkedIn. I'm going to start building a profile there to augment what I'm doing. And I love that you've also said, well, what's, what else is there beyond one-to-one? What next? And now you're building in that e-commerce side, creating value for an audience that can make you money while you're sleeping, as they say. And, And the book, you know, there's a lot of credibility and positioning around having a book. Yeah. I mean, when I, it's interesting because when I first started thinking about writing a book I thought great there's another revenue stream to the business and then what I found in talking to other people they said no 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 it's simply a tool to add credibility to your business don't bank on the fact that you're going to make money from it you probably won't but it gives you credibility in your space so and I was happy with that and you know as I said I just wanted to get the word out there as well Um, but what I found in writing the book was especially in January when I put it out there that I can be launching in April um, it really gave like heightened my sense of self-worth or credibility for me because it's like quite an accomplishment to get a book out there to get it published and you know when I kept reading over I thought wow you know this is so different to where I started off from and such different messaging and Mm. more in alignment with who I am and what I'm about and it just made me feel good about how far I had come Mm. so you know even from that perspective it's such a valuable thing to do. And such a powerful lever because after writing a book, you get speaking opportunities or training and coaching opportunities through that. And, and you have this theme and topics that you're talking about in the book that become part of your content. Yeah. Ruth, it's really interesting that you've had this kind of twist and turn journey. And I'm curious if you think about yourself graduating from Wellness Coaching Australia, could you have ever known back then that you would be here today? Is there any way you could have figured it all out in front and had a perfect plan and just followed the perfect pathway to get there no matter what? No, no, definitely not. (laughs) I guess when I did theta healing, that was a real step into more of, you know, the spiritual side combined because I've, you know, I've worked in the hardcore corporate sector for 30 odd years and, you know, you get very conditioned and you've got to, you've got to present a certain way and all of that sort of thing. And so to step into this other side and now actually be quite open about it. I mean, the the subtitle of my book is how to align your career with your sole purpose, you know, so I'm really putting it out there now. I, I never would have thought, you know, I would have been that bold. And I can remember there was this time after I'd done theta healing, I thought, okay, I can do it. I love it. 
how am I going to do that in front of a client? Like it's a bit weird. It's a mm. bit different. How am I going to tell them what I'm doing? And, you know, it, it really was this internal struggle of I can't do that. I can't, you know, I'll be judged. Um, mm. And it took a while to really get comfortable with transitioning into being me and taking that on and just showing that side of myself after being corporate for so long Mm. but I I guess the turning point came when I was in a session with a client and I knew I had to do theta healing and I you know this little voice I was sitting there going oh my god I can't do it and this voice was just going just do it just do it and so we did it and we got such an amazing outcome for this woman mm-hmm. that I thought, oh, thank God, thank God I listened to that voice. Thank God I did it. Mm-hmm. And then I started seeing results in my clients. And I thought, this is just amazing. Wow. And, um, you know, so I had one woman who over a 10-year period continuously got illnesses and um, just kept getting sick. Mm. and she tried just about everything and when we were doing the digging process you know we hit upon this belief that she'd formed in school because she was quite a clever student Mm. and she'd always get bullied whenever she got a good grade and so she ultimately started to fake illnesses in order to stay home from school Wow. And so her brain had taken on that program. And whenever she started to do well at work or got a promotion or got a new job, her brain sensed that that was an unsafe situation for her to be in Mm. and started to create these illnesses. So we had to reprogram that belief. And, you know, she started to, she got into a new job and she went for quite a while without getting ill. Then things started to show up. So we had to do a bit more work. But, you know, it was all this patterning. So so thank God if I hadn't have been brave enough to do theta healing on someone, but, it, you know, they wouldn't have got those outcomes. But it, it was a huge leap, a huge leap and a huge pivot because I felt like I had all this knowledge under the surface that I wasn't sharing, that I wasn't talking about. And I didn't want to, you know, put that up on LinkedIn or anything like that. Mm. And then all of a sudden I just had to embrace it. And once once you take one step, then you get a little bit braver. Mm. So it's, yes, if you'd have told me back then, Ruth, you're going to be doing theta healing, you're going to be talking about psychosomatics, you know, clearing all these limiting beliefs and doing what I'm doing now, I, it would have scared, I probably wouldn't have gone down that path. Wow. But you know what? We, we, we take one step, mm. we develop that muscle, mm. and then we take another step. So then as time goes by, as long as we keep just sort of nudging ourselves out of our comfort zone, I think, yeah. then eventually we get to this point. But if you don't just take that step, you're not going to get to that end point. Absolutely. I really just want to acknowledge your courage and your persistence because it obviously was frightening for you and and unclear in the beginning and you found a way to keep going, to take steps, to to do personal development and growth and it sounds like that's been a critical part of your ability to get where you are today, that the personal growth, the work on yourself and your mindset you've talked about and your confidence to find the courage not just to keep going but then to try other modalities and to 
find the authentic you mm. that you are today to be doing something that's purposeful and meaningful for you and that's mm. getting great results for people in their lives. Yeah, it, it, it absolutely was a journey. But, you know, now that's sort of what I help other people with is look at the challenges you're up against and what, do, what why is this challenge coming to your life? You know, what's it here to teach you? How's it here to enable you to step up um, mm. to that next you know, to take that next step. So I sort of lived it and now I'm teaching it. Mm -mm. Mm. How amazing. Ruth, thanks so much for the time for the interview today. It's been really interesting and enlightening. And I hope that the snippets that we use for the conference, or if I turn this into a podcast, that people listening to this find their own sense of courage and confidence and empowerment. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Mel. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you. Okay.